0: If you
3: dare. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, I'm sorry. I just got done watching Monday Night Football. Ugh. Yeah. What a snooze fest that was. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Thankfully, Week seven of the NFL season is in the books. We painfully had to bear witness to Monday Night Football between the Seahawks and the Saints in what was an absolute snooze fest of a game. 13 10, the final score. Yes, there was weather implications, but more importantly, there was bad football on display between these two teams. The New Orleans Saints came into this game in an incredible spot coming off of a bye and getting reinforcements back important starting players especially on their offensive line and their defense that were missing due to injury they were healthy they came back ready to play in this game and yet still still you get nothing from Jameis Winston. You get barely anything from the ground from Alvin Kamara, but you get great Alvin Kamara receiving stats. And that's why I talked about it on last night's show when we were going over the props. I said, forget about Kamara's rushing prop. Go rushing plus receiving because he was involved early and often in the passing game. 10 catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. He rushed it 20 times for only 51 yards, averaged 2.6 yards per carry. That is just pathetic. Uh, The Seahawks, meanwhile, not better. They had one play, the fifth play of the game, a DK Metcalf 84-yard touchdown. And for the rest of the game, absolutely nothing. Geno Smith could not get out of his own way. 12 of 22 passing for just 167 yards and a touchdown. Alex Collins couldn't get anything on the ground. 16 carries for just 35 yards. This was just an ugly, ugly football game that, honestly, it was boring to watch. There was 11 punts in this game and not many entertaining moments. But the Saints get the win. The Seahawks get the cover. And so it's the second week in a row that Geno Smith, uh, as the starting quarterback of the Seahawks team, doesn't get a win, but picks up a cover as they covered against the Steelers and they covered here against the Saints. Now they get to take on the Jaguars. And boy, is that game going to be fun. Who knows what Saints, who knows what Seahawks team you're going to see come next week. But I'm just glad this game was over. Because sitting there watching this thing, I got to be honest with you. If it wasn't for the Manning cast, which once again provided the entertainment for me, if it wasn't for the Manning cast, I don't know how I would have made it through watching this game. But watching Peyton and Eli and they had Marshawn Lynch who was cursing and Tom Brady and it was just uh, a better way to watch Monday night football. So now the Seahawks move on to face the Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll be a favorite in that game, um, and it's going to be a three and a half or so. Uh, and for the New Orleans Saints, they come away with the victory. They improve to four and two, so they keep uh, their division hopes, if you will, alive as they're just right there one game behind the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they will take on the Tampa Bay Bucks at home. Next Sunday, the Bucks, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, the game is in New Orleans. So if you like New Orleans as a home underdog with this quarterback situation, it's just amazing. You know, watching this team, forget about the fact that everything they had going for them coming out of the bye, the healthy players, I just couldn't believe that this was the same team that beat the Green Bay Packers. And maybe, yeah, we got to start, you know, go back and look at all the different excuses, if you want to call them that. But the Packers in week one certainly did not look like a team that was ready to play. The Saints were, and they won that game. Congratulations. And, and that might loom large in the NFC. I, you know, I don't think ultimately it will because I don't think the Saints win their division, and I think the Packers do. But, listen, the Saints are just one win away here from being right there with the Bucs. If they beat them on Sunday, all of a sudden, the NFC South standings, they are in first place. Well, they'll technically be in second because of the bye week, so they'll be 5-2, and two, and the Bucs would be 6-2. and two, But they're one win away from being right there. And then, you know, who knows what happens the remainder of the season, so... You got to pick up wins any way you can in the NFL, but the Saints, uh, I had them to cover the spread, and they didn't, uh, and it was just an an ugly performance. We almost got a safety at the end that would have covered the spread. Boy, that would have been a fun way to cover, Um, but the Saints uh, won the game. Congratulations, but congratulations to uh, Geno Smith and the Seahawks for covering the spread. Speaking of spreads, we've had a huge line movement for Thursday night football, and the reason being, Devontae Adams has been placed on the COVID-19 list. Uh, Adams tested positive, according to reports, and he hasn't been forced to follow protocols for unvaccinated players. So that's a good sign because if he is vaccinated and he is asymptomatic, he would need two negative tests 24 hours apart to play on Thursday. So that would mean, let's say, he gets a negative test on Tuesday night and then a negative test on Wednesday night. Well, he can play on Thursday. Or if he gets a negative test Wednesday morning and then he gets a negative test Thursday morning, he can play. So if you want to gamble on Devonte Adams to possibly test negative and play on Thursday night, the Packers, you get him at plus six right now. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they do get reinforcements. Chandler Jones, has been activated. Uh, also, defensive lineman Zach Allen have been activated from the COVID-19 list. So it's uh, it's going to obviously take the test that we need to find out what's going to happen, and, and, and we don't know just yet. But Matt LaFleur said the team is going to be without defensive coordinator Joe Barry. He is in the COVID-19 protocols. LaFleur also said the team is going through enhanced protocols, daily testing for all personnel, masks worn in the facility, and the Packers held virtual meetings on Monday. So we'll see what happens with the Packers over the next couple of days, but the Cardinals moving from four-and-a-half-point favorites to six-point favorites with the news of Devontae Adams being put into the COVID protocols. However, like I said, there is a chance that he could still play because he has not been forced to follow the unvaccinated player protocol, which obviously points to him being vaccinated, meaning he just needs to get those two negative tests 24 hours apart. This is assuming that he is vaxxed and assuming that he doesn't have any symptoms. That would be the best-case scenario, and then Adams could play on Thursday night against the Cardinals. If he does not play, well, Packers are going to be without their leading receiver. He's got 52 catches for 744 yards. He's second in the NFL in catches, He has the third most yards amongst all wide receivers. The Packers could get a little bit of reinforcements because Marquez Valdez-Scantling could return from a hamstring injury. So if Adams is out but Valdez-Scantling is in, uh, obviously any wide receiver would be a downgrade, but it would help out the Packers' depth to get Valdez-Scantling in there uh, if Adams is out. But it's going to probably be the Alan Lazard show, which it was on Sunday against uh, against the Washington football team. It was the Alan Lazard show. Uh, Randall Cobb might have an impact, Equinemius St. Brown, and then, of course, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, but to me, I still think the Packers are an attractive play, even without Adams, because it's Aaron Rodgers, it's primetime, and getting six is just, I mean, wow, a lot. Uh, Cardinals are good, and yes, they get Chandler Jones back, but is this line too high to give the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, even without, without their best player in or their best rece- non-Aaron Rodgers player in Devontae Adams? I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll get to some NFL news and notes. We have a trade that has gone down, another trade that is still possible that it could happen, and a quarterback coming back from injury that could change the way we look at a certain team. We'll see how all these moves are changing the lines for Week 8 coming up in the NFL, which kicks off on Thursday with the Packers and the Cardinals. This is The Look Ahead, here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment on The Look Ahead is presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. Zinn is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a smoke-free, spit-free, and hassle-free tobacco alternative that can be enjoyed on the go anywhere and anytime so you never miss a minute of the game or the tailgate party. Available in 10 varieties, including spearmint, coffee, and citrus, Zinn can be found at convenience stores nationwide, so you can find your Zinn wherever you are. Zinn's nicotine pouches are clean and discreet with no lingering smell. Plus, it's easy to use indoors or out, making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zinn comes in two strength, so you have control over your nicotine satisfaction. Zinn contains nicotine and is only for adult nicotine consumers 21 and over. Learn more and find your local retailer at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning! This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. The look ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network, always on Twitter, at scottsonair. We have some news in the NFL. A trade going down as the New York Jets found out that they're going to be without quarterback Zach Wilson for at least two games with a sprained knee. And, well, seeing how ineffective Mike White was in his opportunity playing for them against the Patriots, the jets went out and got themselves a veteran quarterback Joe Flacco who was with the jets a year ago um he uh spent you know was with the jets um as a backup quarterback uh, under Sam Darnold and for some reason the jets didn't bring him back and it's one of those things that i really questioned jets general manager uh Joe Douglas because When you have a rookie quarterback, you need a veteran backup. If anything, just to give that quarterback uh, a voice in the quarterback room, somebody that he can look up to, that he can trust, that can help him grow. And, well, Zach Wilson didn't really have that. (laughs) So I, I I was wondering why they didn't bring Joe Flacco back. But Flacco signed with the Eagles, and now Flacco is with the Jets and uh, who knows if he's going to play coming up this Sunday for the Jets against the Bengals. It could still be uh, Mike White against against the Bengals this Sunday, but Flacco is now a member of the Jets. The Jets, who are taking on the Bengals, as I mentioned, on Sunday. At home, the Jets are an 8.5-point underdog to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And right now, you can't have any confidence in betting on the New York Jets. But is it a letdown spot for the Cincinnati Bengals coming off of the incredible win over the Baltimore Ravens and possibly letting their guard down against a bad football team? You know, the Tennessee Titans... They weren't coming off of any uh, win. I mean, they beat the Colts, so it was a divisional win. But they went to New York, and yes, they were banged up, but they seemed to have no interest in playing that football game. And they lost. The Jets beat the Titans. The same Titans team that just beat the Bills and Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. That Titans team lost to the Jets so, anything could happen. And we have not had this NFL season yet. We have not had an underdog of seven and a half or more points win a game outright. This is the longest stretch in the Super Bowl era that we have gone to start a season without an underdog of over a touchdown, winning outright. Jets are plus eight and a half. Could this be the week? And could they be the team that wins outright this week? Just something to keep an eye on, you know, something to kind of ponder. Uh, Other news around the NFL, Deshaun Watson, those trade rumors are heating up. Uh, When we last spoke yesterday, we talked about his no-trade clause and how the Dolphins were the team that he would be willing to go to. Well, now, according to multiple reports, that there are other teams Watson would consider. And one possible option is the Carolina Panthers. Carolina uh, was a suitor for him in the offseason, and they never got the opportunity to negotiate anything. The trade deadline is November 2nd at 4 p.m. Eastern time. The Panthers, who benched Sam Darnold on Sunday, could consider themselves in a position to salvage their season. And maybe that's by getting Deshaun Watson and letting him play. The, other, the thing is that right now, Deshaun the, the, the Watson is in an interesting Position and actually any team that signs or trades uh, trades for the Sean Watson is in an interesting position because the Texans they agreed to not play him, but if he goes to Carolina or Miami, they could they don't have to not they they, they want to play him right they're going to trade for him to play for, to play him but then there's a there's the possibility that. Roger Goodell could place him on the exempt list because he's still going through all these legal battles with the sexual assault cases and whatnot. So it's a very risky proposition to trade for a guy that you might want to play for you, but might not be able to play for you just yet. Uh, we will keep monitoring, and the NFL world will keep monitoring the Deshaun Watson situation. The Miami Dolphins currently. 13 and a half point underdogs at Buffalo this uh this weekend this Sunday and the Carolina Panthers a 3 point underdog at the Atlanta Falcons. The Houston Texans meanwhile, they're 14 point dogs at home to the Rams, but they could could be getting some reinforcements. Tyrod Taylor is returning to practice. And it's already been said, right? And everyone knows about it already. Um, It's not like this was some sort of uh, surprise. But he is the starting quarterback of the Texans. David Coley said he was our starter before he got hurt. He'll be the starter when he comes back. Um, And anybody that has watched... The Houston Texans with Davis Mills at quarterback. Obviously, there's no controversy here. As soon as Taylor is able to play, Taylor will play. Uh, He's been on IR ever since week two with that hamstring injury. And if uh, he is able to play as he returns to practice, then he will be the starting quarterback for this team. If he starts on Sunday... If he starts on Sunday, which we don't know yet, but if he starts on Sunday, I think the Texans could be a sneaky play as two touchdown home underdogs. In week one, the Texans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I know that's not a uh, statement win, Because the Jaguars are terrible. But Tyrod Taylor was 21 of 33 passing for 291 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran the ball for 40 yards. He was, and he did not turn the ball over. He was very effective in that game. In week two, the game that he got hurt against the Cleveland Browns, Early on, he led in, He led the uh, Texans to a touchdown on their first drive. He then led them to a touchdown on their third drive. And they went into the half with a 14-14 score. And he gets hurt, and the score is uh, 12, uh, 14-14 when he goes out of the game. Davis Mills comes in, they go interception, touchdown, punt, missed field goal, and the Browns win that game 31-21. to So, with a healthy Tyrod Taylor, the Texans beat the Jaguars 37-21, and they were tied with the Browns 14 apiece. They scored with Tyrod Taylor 51 points. Right? Did I get that right? 14 and 37? Since that mark, they have scored 31, 36, 39 points in one, two, three, four, five and a half games. Wow. Dwayne Colucci from the Rampart Racing Sportsbook joins me next here on VSINC. VSIN, the sports betting network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24 7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to VSIN.com data and analysis. You get everything VSIN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at slash subscribe. Scott Sadenberg back here with you, the look ahead here on vsin, the sports betting network. Let's welcome in now Dwayne Colucci from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. And Dwayne, uh, I apologize if I woke you up from that snooze fest that we all watched here on Monday Night Football.
4: Yeah, definitely yawning after that one. You know, if you if you don't have action on a game like that, how do you even really, uh, you know, how does it hold your interest? It really was uh, just a, a total debacle on both sides, and then you add that weather and the teams can't score It was a, a snooze fest, definitely, like you said.
3: Uh, how exci- how uh, was the action on uh, either side? The Seahawks cover for the second straight week under Geno Smith, despite losing outright.
4: Yeah, 0-3 at home, and uh, yeah, they did cover, though, once again. And it wasn't too bad for us, I'll be honest uh, with you, Scott. Because of the fact that we took a lot of late money on the Saints, we actually bumped the line up to 5.5 at the Rampart and South Point. So it worked out in our favor. Three-point uh, you know, difference. Seattle missed a couple of field goals. A lot of sloppy plays down the stretch for them. And uh, outside of the Metcalf play, which was a miracle, they really shouldn't have put any points on the board if you ask me so you know seattle really not looking good without their superstar russell wilson you you Definitely want to see him back in the lineup if you're a Seattle fan. And another game at home, I believe, coming up next week. So it's going to be important. You don't want to go 0-4 at home. It makes it all that more difficult as the season wears on to make the playoffs.
3: Yeah, they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, that game sure is going to be exciting, as you can hear the sarcasm (laughs) in my voice, Dwayne. Uh, Let's talk about you mentioned line movements. Let's talk about the line movements here coming up for Thursday night football with the news that Devontae Adams has been placed on the COVID list. The Cardinals have moved up to a six point favorite. Now, Uh, do you see this moving even further at the rampart and South Point?
4: Well, you know, we definitely have to make the adjustment because Adams is so important. And, you know, from a, an offensive standpoint, he and Aaron Rodgers have such a good report that, you know, it's hard not to have him in there. But they still have serviceable receivers. I mean, uh, Scantling's good. They Valdez Scantling and a few other weapons. Uh, they're going to run the ball probably a little more. Kyler Murray did get banged up a little if you watched his game this week. He, he got hit several times. And, you know, you see a big blowout. But I think he got hit more than they would like to see him uh, in a game of You know which would should have been a blowout, and it was. So I want to keep my eye on that. I think we will see probably uh, you know some more money, Scott. But I can't see it getting to seven. That's a huge key number to give Green Bay. Then we would have to see some massive buyback, and you have that possibility to get sided. You know when you make a point spread adjustment like that, you already have some of the shops that jumped on Arizona. You know, so we have to make the adjustment, but you don't want to get too crazy because then the middle becomes huge and definitely when you go from six to seven you could get sided if the game does land on seven meaning I would push all the Green Bay money back which is just a wash you give back a refund basically and most of the Arizona money that was bet early at the three and a half fours fours up to six they all cash so that's what we look to avoid as bookmakers you know so uh, I could see it maybe getting to six and a half but I can't push it to seven unless more COVID cases come out or something uh, you know, in the
3: clubhouse in Green Bay. Yep. Interesting. Uh, we saw the Rams as the only double-digit team that did not cover this past Sunday. The other two heavy favorites did cover in those Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And now the Rams are laying another big number. 14. Two touchdowns on the road against the Houston Texans. But Tyrod Taylor's returning to practice, Dwayne. If he starts at quarterback for the Texans i got to believe that Houston's an attractive play here. Well, we're
4: seeing 15 and not much movement on that game, Scott. And uh, I'll be honest with you, if he does play, uh, what did he play? I believe like a game and a half or two games. Uh, yep. They scored more points with him at <laughs> yes, the they did. <laughs> than they have since. you know. So that's very important. That is a good point. And you're playing at home. So, uh, yeah, definitely, I would keep my eye on that. I think it will come down, definitely, just because of the Rams' performance this week wasn't too overwhelming. But you still see Stafford has uh, flashes of brilliance with Cup. They run the ball exceptionally well. When they need to play defense, they play defense. Although they didn't cover that spread, it was still Goff versus Stafford. So there was a little parity there, a little pressure on both sides. So I think it was a little tentative play, especially on the Rams' part. If they could open up... uh, it up. It's definitely an option here against this Houston defense, but like we discussed with Taylor back in the lineup, that's a whole nother dimension Also, you do have the Deshaun Watson trade talk that's all around uh, Houston this week. Now it's starting to really fire up again with Carolina interested, Miami, and so forth. So a lot of different stories and happenings. Keep your eye on Taylor. Uh, I hope he plays. I'm going to watch his practices. And then it does become, you know, attractive when you get more than two touchdowns.
3: Yeah, 51 points scored in the game and a half that he played. And uh, they have not even come close to that in the five games since, right. which is just ridiculous. Uh, let me let me talk to you about the Kansas City Chiefs here, Dwayne. And, and last night on the show, I compared them to Clemson because I think there are, there's, there are similarities here. Both teams come in with high expectations, obviously, off of the postseason runs and the success in the past. And uh, I think to uh, up until last week, especially with Clemson, The last week, the books finally adjusted, and Clemson was a three point underdog at Pitt, and Pitt covers that line. But we're still seeing Kansas City being treated like the Kansas City Chiefs of old when they're not playing that way. They're 10 point favorites at home here against the Giants. And trust me, Dwayne, I know how bad the Giants are. And they had no, the only reason why they won that game against the Panthers is because Sam Darnold back in the Meadowlands saw the Ghosts once again. But, uh, Am I really to believe that this Kansas City Chiefs team deserves to be a double-digit favorite over anybody right now? Well, the whole difference, Scott, with the comparison you made is that
4: at least Clemson lost Lawrence, and we still have to value Patrick Mahomes for what he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is the the flashiest, and probably when he is fully healthy, the best quarterback uh, in the NFL, in my opinion, but he has yet known that this year, and Big, big credit uh, in this game last week. They just got crushed, and Tennessee just played fabulous. So they, they really met a quality opponent. And Mahomes did get banged up. He passed the protocol. They kept him out. They rested him a little. I think the coaching staff has to make some decisions, Scott. They have to get the ball to Hill a little more. They definitely have to spread the offense. You can't just have Patrick back there, you know, running around trying to be Michael Vick and create because that doesn't work. They have to focus a little more on the running game. They have to protect this man. And we know how bad their defense is. The defense is horrible. I mean, you saw Henry was just making swish cheese out of that defense. He threw for a touchdown. Brown was just a monster, unstoppable. And they were making Tannehill look like fog, So uh, I don't know what Kansas City's problem is. And like you said, 10 points on the Monday night center stage. But the Giants are one of those teams that are ripe to where, you know, if you get things going at Arrowhead and Daniel Jones starts to make mistakes and if Saquon ain't playing, you know they are like a triage unit. Although, credit, they were able to, uh, you know, play a little better this week. The Giants are still a wounded animal. So keep your eye on Mahomes' status, how his head is during the course of the week. He's got a lot of questions to answer. They can't lose another game, uh, you know. So they're definitely going to fall out of that divisional race if they continue to lose, and especially at home. So I think this might be a position where they can cover but their point spread record is also terrible, Scott. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot going against the Chiefs right now. Not only uh, the the injuries, the losing big games to quality opponents, uh, they have to right this ship. I think this is a good game to do that as long as they could get the ball to Tyreek Hill.
3: Hey, Dwayne, real quick, your Canadiens pull a win uh, tomorrow night against the Kraken? Uh, well, at least they got a win
4: uh, against Detroit. <laughs> it was a 5 1 victory. They needed that one. Yes, they did. They're desperate. Uh, you know, I can't really go out on a limb. I think they're cracking on the right side there at home. And just because of the fact that Montreal, they, they have to get Caulfield and Suzuki involved in the offense. And those guys have, haven't lit the lamp yet. And that's very important. Dvorak, the new acquisition, you know, he seems a little lethargic. He's bad on the uh, face offs I've noticed and that's supposed to be his strong quality. So we have to get him involved uh, until Carrie Price comes back. A lot of pressure on Jake Allen. We don't have an adequate backup. Weber is still, you know, he's probably never gonna play again with his <laughs> injuries. It's gonna be tough, I tell you, the cracking it's gonna be buzzing in Seattle as well. The right. crowd is gonna be
3: off the hook. Well, so cracking. gotta be careful of that game. Yep. <laughs> cracking a small favorite. Dwayne always appreciate the conversation. We'll talk again next week, brother. Thank you, as always, Scott. I appreciate you. There he is. Dwayne Colucci from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check current Betting Splits tab. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money lined over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that vSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at v Scott Sidenberg back here with you. It is the look-ahead. Here on v the Sports Betting Network. The World Series will begin on Tuesday night from Houston. It is the Astros and the Braves. And I have just placed a wager. Yeah, I did it. I just placed a wager on the World Series MVP. And I took a long shot. I said, you know what? I'm going to go with a long shot here. Jock Peterson at plus 3,000. Now, in the NLDS, in four games, Jock Peterson went uh, three for seven. He had five RBI, and he scored two runs and hit two home runs. In the NLCS, in six games, He went 5 for 22 He had a home run and four RBIs. He did strike out eight times, which wasn't good. But the home runs is really what I'm banking on here. Because in order to win the World Series MVP, you have to have an impact on these games. And hitting big, timely home runs is how you have the impact on the games, and so if I can get a couple of shots from Jock Peterson in this series, maybe a go-ahead home run or two, I think uh, that's going to be good enough. And at three thousand—I mean, come on, plus three thousand. I mean, I don't, I, look, I could have bet somebody with lesser odds. It, there are a lot of guys with lesser odds, and sure, you know, there's there's Freddie Freeman. Because I'm going to go with the Braves. By the way, I should have said that. The get go. I'm going to go with the Braves over the Astros. Uh, Freddie Freeman's plus 850. Could have absolutely gone with Freddie Freeman. Could have gone with uh, Eddie Rosario. He's at 12 to 1. Austin Riley at 12 to 1. But I just felt that at 30 to 1, Jock Peterson was the play for me. Now he's got to have enough at bats, of course. And he's got to make an impact. And I think that he's going to. I mean, Jock Peterson has played in three World Series. So the moment is not uh, too big for him. In fact, in three World Series with the Dodgers, Jock Peterson has nine Home runs. Is that accurate? Uh, It's not. Oh, wait. Nope. Excuse me. Five home runs. (laughs) Five home runs, nine RBIs. He is, you know, he's only batting 275. He's got 11 hits in 44 at-bats, or 11 hits in 40 at-bats. But in 17 World Series games that he has played with the Dodgers... He has five home runs. Give me a couple of home runs in this series, and he'll be the MVP. In the first World Series he played, that was in 2017 against the Astros. He had three home runs in that series. In the next World Series, he played against the, uh, let's see, what was that, the Red Sox. He had one home run. And then in last year's World Series against the Rays, he had one home run. So he has homered in every World Series series that he has played in. And he has homered in every series this postseason. Two homers in the NLDS against Milwaukee. One homer in the NLCS against the Dodgers. Give me two home runs, Jock. But make them important home runs. Give me a a, a game-winning home run. Give me a go-ahead home run late in the game and rack up some RBIs and we'll make sure that uh, Jock Peterson is the long-shot bet to win the World Series MVP at plus 3,000. As for the actual series, I don't think that there's any value in betting on the Braves at plus 130. Instead, just bet them on the money line in every game. You know the, the games in Houston, they're they'll be underdogs in. They're plus one fifteen in game one. Uh, you're gonna need them to win at least one game in Houston in this series. So as long as they're not heavy favorites at home, which they're not going to be, this is a pretty even series. If they're not going to be heavy favorites, so it's not like you're losing a ton of juice if they lose a home game, but. You know, banking on them, to, you have to if you think that they're going to win the series, they have to win at least one game in Houston. Otherwise, they lose the series four games to three, right? If every team wins their home games, they're going to lose four games to three. So instead of doing plus 130 on them for the series, start with game one at plus 115. Game two, we'll see how high that odds are, and we'll go on, so, so on and so forth. You see the uh, series props there on the screen of what is going to happen with the series correct score. And if you think the Braves are going to win, like I do, Braves to win in a sweep is plus 1,700. Braves to win in five is plus 750. In six, plus 600. Braves in seven, plus 600. I think it's going to be... uh, well, Braves in five would be just tremendous, right? Let's say they win, um, you know, win a game in Houston and then just win the three games in Atlanta. Braves in five plus seven fifty. That should—that's a fun bet. Right, let's talk about this game though. Game one and where it's going to going to be here. Charlie Morton against Framber Valdez, and the total is at eight. And we know. Valdez is coming off his best postseason outing. He went eight strong innings against the Red Sox, allowed three hits and one run, and the one run came on the Rafael Devers solo home run. He completely shut down that Red Sox lineup that up until that point had been scoring a boatload of runs. The Red Sox... They were scoring, they scored 12 runs in, the, in a game, they scored nine runs in a game, and then they only get to two runs, Then their offense just completely went silent. They scored two runs in the final three games of the series after scoring four, uh, four nine, and 12 in the first uh, three games of the series. But Framber Valdez, a big reason why he shut them down in that game, Can he duplicate that performance? Charlie Morton, meanwhile, uh, he pitched one time against the Dodgers, gave up two runs on three hits in five innings in a game in which the Braves lost 6-5. to So I just think that both of these teams is a very even series. Uh, I would give the edge to Valdez just because he's coming off of a great start, Uh, but the experience factor certainly goes to Charlie Morton. He's uh, been here before and i like the Braves lineup in this series um the Astros though they are just stringing it together and they continue to do it you know the Astros had a um a a really crazy stat that i saw that the lineup of i guess it's Altuve, um, Correa, I guess, and maybe uh, Yuli Gurriel or Jordan Alvarez, whatever it is, the the trio of players for the Astros are approaching the Yankees' core of Jeter, Posada, Rivera, all those guys, as uh, how many postseason games they have played together. And when you think about the Yankee dynasty – you know, you don't really think of the Astros as a dynasty here, but they have been over the past several seasons, and the amount of postseason games that they have played in the past couple of years is uh, approaching a historic mark. So the Astros, to get back to this uh, point, after everything that this organization went through, with Dusty Baker at the helm, I think he got two pretty good, compelling stories on both sides of this World Series. But I'm going with the Braves, and I'm going with my long shot, of Jock Peterson plus three thousand to be the World Series most valuable player. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. We'll get some college football coming up next here on Beason.
0: If
1: you dare.